and welcome everybody to another edition of the West Coast Preps Podcast. It's a beautiful day in the world because we've got NFL football back. College football just opened up not too long ago, so now we've got football all weekend. It looks like we've got football for what the lat for the next, I guess, eight nine months. A, a dream come true for me. I think a dream come true for all of us right here. Yes. That said, I'm Chris Jackson, joined by Gregory Moreland Tuna. We got a special guest. Our most well-dressed guest we've ever had, making history the best backdrop we've had to Dion Evans, South San Francisco football coach, and Madison Park Academy athletic director. Dion, how you doing today, sir? Oh, I'm doing great, Chris and Gregory. I am uh, honored to be here with you. And because I've watched every podcast prior to being asked to be on it, uh, I had to make sure my backdrop was right, and I had to make sure I was dressed right. I wanted to be the best. Well, you succeed. That doesn't mean the content will be the best, but at least the dressing <laughs> and the backdrop will be. <laughs> hey, presentation's always key, right? Yes, sir. That's that first impression. It's that first impression. He's already right. won the interview right there. <laughs> right, right. Oh, my goodness. Awesome. So let's go into your new job a little bit at South City. How have the first few months gone for you out there in San Francisco? Wow, the first few months out in South San Francisco has been uh, parallel to the entirety of 2020. Uh, it has been a roller coaster ride of epic proportion, unheard of historical uh, actions and activities. Uh, when I came on board in uh, mid-February, we were able to start doing um, mat drills. I met with the team. We had 40 kids uh, from uh, last season, 2019 season. And uh, 40 of those kids came out, came back, and uh, we were doing mat drills in preparation. And my vision and dreams about doing from mat drills, going into spring ball, going into summer, and then pads. I said, with this amount of time, we will be ready for all the teams. And we are taking names, and we're writing down scores, and we're getting those spread points back, all of that type of stuff. And then all of a sudden, a month into it, everything halted. And we really didn't know what that meant. Okay, we're halted for right now. Maybe we'll be back by two weeks. Uh, and then two weeks turned into two months, two months turned into four. Um, then we had some reprieve around uh, late July where we were able to start with this new term in football, cohort conditioning. Um, we never talked about football in terms of cohort. But now we were dealing with uh, these new terms like mandates, guidelines, um, and we had to figure out how to take a sport like football and still keep it alive during this, what I call the COVID-19 era. And um, it's a very difficult process. And if you are a purist as it comes to football and coaching, um, this is something very difficult to do basically social distancing, keeping kids five yards apart, only having 10 kids on the field at a time on one side of the field, then a 20 yard um, separation between before you can have another set of 10 kids, five yards separated. And then coaches who can't really coach together or they're cross contaminating the group, but they can see each other though. They can't really talk to each other. So then I had to create a, a system in place where I had to educate the new coaches that I'm hiring on what my expectations are. So everybody had to grow up quick. We were able to do cohort conditioning for about two weeks, which was the equivalent of seven practices. Um, you know, conditioning, I don't wanna call it practices because we could do nothing with equipment, no football, no equipment. It's just, we're going to work with the weight you brought. 
And so if you can't, if you can't um, dominate your own body, then you're not going to have the processes to dominate somebody else's body. And then we got, we were the only county that wasn't on the uh, governor's watch list. And then after our seventh uh, conditioning uh, clinic, uh, we were put on the watch list. And um, we were hoping to come back this week um, based upon uh, the guidelines of our public health uh, two weeks ago. But then in that uh, week prior, the, uh, the governor ditched the watch list and came out with this, uh, this pyramid type um, of, of understanding of how, how the guidelines will work. And that sent all the counties back into trying to figure out how they fit within this new pyramid uh, ideology. And uh, it has just not yielded any good fruit as it relates to us getting back on the field anytime soon. So then we had to switch to the next level as I had to, I had to allow the maturity of the team. I had to allow young men to whom I have been training. I had to allow them to take the opportunity that if they desire to uh, practice with their teammates, uh, I would just give them uh, ideas of what they needed to be concentrating on so that they just weren't out in a park somewhere um, playing football, believing they're doing the right things. And then they develop all these bad habits. And then when we do get to, start practicing. I got to then undo all of that again. So hopefully we're on the right track in this day and time. I don't know what the right track is, uh, may not even be clear on the right direction, but uh, I am hopeful and confident that football will happen and that none of this will be an excuse that South city will use for winning or losing. Um, we plan to play the game, right? We plan to do it the right way. Um, and so we're, we're just preparing in the cracks and crevices where we can prepare. And so what led you to South City? Was there a particular moment that was said, I want to go coach this program or anything? Yes, that's a very uh, interesting question. Uh, very good one. I love telling it. Uh, basically, I'm a football coach. I, I, I played football in high school. I wasn't one of those kids whose parent allowed him to play youth football, but I played football in high school. And after four years of tackle football in high school, um, I got the opportunity. I was recruited by Bruce Rollerson, who's the modern day head coach. I was recruited to uh, play running back at uh, Rancho Santiago in uh, Santa Ana, California, where I'm from, the OC, love the OC. Uh, and I played two years with him. After my two years with him, uh, you know, I, I've always learned. I was never, uh, never going to be the MVP of the team, offense or defense. But I was always going to be the scholar athlete of the team. Every, every sports program I've ever been in, I've always been the scholar athlete of the year. And I've always taken more pride in that than the guys who did MVP. So anyway, um, I understood that I didn't have the – I wasn't the fastest, but I made the relays, things of that nature. So at, at Rancho Santiago, now I'm really maturing into the X's and O's of football under uh, Bruce Rollinson. Uh, again, who was our running back coach? Dave Olgus was our uh, our head coach. But once um, I finished my sophomore year there, um, I was a little disappointed because I felt that my talent as an athlete and my speed should have gotten me more opportunity, and it didn't. And uh, but I'm a team player. I'm not going to quit. I never quit. And so at the end of the season, I decided that I wasn't going to attend the the banquet. 
because I didn't like the politics. I started realizing that football wasn't so much about the best 11 people being on the, on the field as much as it was about the politics or the aspirations that a certain coach has for a certain kid or coaches who are competing with each other by my recruits better than your recruit. And then whoever the decision maker is on the team, the head coach, they get to kind of pull rank on that. So those are the things I started learning alongside football. The good news is I got enough film and uh, I believe Bruce Rollerson uh, spoke highly of me. I know, well, I don't think, I know he spoke highly of me. And it landed an opportunity that when San Francisco State University was going around Southern California, my name came up. San Francisco State talked to me. Uh, Redlands University talked to me. Um, Rice University. And out of high school, I had an opportunity to do Grambling um, academically and football. But I turned that down because a, a senior who was already at Grambling, uh, a guy I really looked up to, he came back during the summer and he was talking about how hard the hitting was and the concussions. He had got a concussion and uh, the fear of that level of football, I had a little fear. So I, um, I decided to go JUCO. I didn't have to go JUCO. I kind of went four years right out of high school, but I decided to go to JUCO because I had only played four years. So I figured I'd go to JUCO two years, dominate JUCO, and then I'll be able to go to a four-year. You know, when you think you're young, you always think you're going to dominate something. You don't realize that though you may be a big fish or a medium-sized fish in the pond at your school, uh, you're insignificant as it relates to the overall athleticism in your county or state. <laughs> so um, these are the, I say all this in leading towards answering your question, because all of it has something to do with why I chose South City. So I got married and my wife is from Oakland and we were living in SoCal two years and I wanted to bring my wife closer to home. I'm, a re I'm really a family guy. And so Family and football, not football and family. So I, I come to Oakland and um, I want to coach football because I had some success doing it at the middle school and high school levels in Southern California in Santa Fe, Santa Fe Springs. And um, I just walk onto campus at the nearby school that I saw, Oakland High. Didn't know anything about it being the first high school in Oakland that was built, first public high school. Didn't know that. Um, I get there. And um, I just, I find the head coach and say, hey, I just want to, I just want to volunteer. You know, I'm not looking to get paid. I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not trying to take any of your resources. I just want to kind of come and, you know, kind of assist. And uh, he embraced me. Um, he embraced me and I started helping coach the kids. And, um, and we went through a tough season. I, I came on board like right before the season was about to begin. And here are these phenomenal athletes. I mean, these young men on the eye test, you would swear they were all going division one. Um, the problem was uh, the coaches who were in place weren't really X's and O's guys. So we were, um, we, we lost every game, but one. And the game that we won is what was classically called the stupid bowl at the time. It was between Oakland high and Castlemont during that time. Those two teams, the only way they were going to get a win in the season is they had to beat each other. So somebody was going to lose their O in that game, and somebody was going to have to deal with the idea of being 10, being 1-9 and nine and, and 0 and 10. The following summer, I got word that the uh, head coach wasn't returning, 
And I was offered an opportunity to take over as the head coach, which was shocking because the kids are the ones who, uh, who lobbied for that. And, um, and we had a winning record in the first five games. Uh, we went undefeated. We were not scored upon. Oh, the first four games, we went undefeated. We're not scored upon. But my relationship with uh, an ideology with the administration at that time um, was not good, meaning that the administration did not like the idea that a football coach had power to influence athletes better than um, the administration did. So, I mean, I can make, I can, I can call up to the school or I can text a kid or I can, I, I can go up to the school and talk to a kid and they would comport like that. And there were others that were confused by that. And so they took me as a threat to whatever was their agenda. And at this time, I'm not interested in school reform. I don't know nothing about, I just want to coach football. But that ended with them saying, hey, we want to go with a, with a, a different guy. We want to go in-house and stuff like that. So I said, oh, wow. So all the work that we did is for nothing. And so uh, I wind up having, to, having lost that job. That left bitterness in my mouth. And uh, I stayed out of sports for a minute after that because I'm the new guy here. Uh, I've coached this team to a successful season. And uh, we're, we're in a position to really take over. Skyline is the only team we're thinking about because at the time, that's the only team winning um, consistently. That's the only team we're laser focused on. And, um, and then I saw how administration uh, did not support sports. Uh, fast forward, uh, I'm, I can't get away from football. I'm now in a, uh, helping other coaches. I'm writing playbooks for semi-pro teams. I'm writing playbooks for other high school coaches I know. I'm writing playbooks uh, for youth sports. And then finally, a good brother uh, of mine, a uh, fellow member of Omega Sci-Fi, Greg Morris. He, uh, he contacts me on uh, Facebook after seeing me spray paint uh, an O-line at a public park to help kids understand how to distance themselves on the line of scrimmage. I, I create all type of drills that are for football. And so he says, man, I need your expertise at Madison Park Academy. So uh, I go to Madison Park Academy to go see this school that I've never heard of in a neighborhood I've never heard of. And uh, I get back there and I see the field. And I'm like, oh my God, you know, this field is nice. No bleachers, no, no lights. I, I missed all of that because the field was nice. And so I agreed to come on and help him. Uh, started helping him. Uh, we were able to coach a JV football team, which is like in its second year. He was like the first head coach in his second year. And we went all the way to the Silver Bowl. I think we were the first uh, junior varsity football team to play in the Silver Bowl. And it was against McClymans as McClymans was on a, a very rapid rise. Um, and then football couldn't be sustained at Madison Park once Greg left to start a new program out in uh, North Oakland. So in that process, I became the AD of Madison Park Academy. Um, partly because they had no coaches and, and for boys sports to happen in some girls sports, they needed people to coach. So I lent all of my coaching expertise to these several sports, football being the most difficult sport to coach. It's easy to coach volleyball. It's easy to coach basketball. Uh, however, I'm not a basketball coach. So that we kind of suffered the first year in basketball. We went three and 10 second year in basketball. 
we went 10 and three. What did I learn during that time? Coaches have to learn in order to help coach the kids. Um, kids are not avatars in some type of video game and we just push buttons and they do exactly what we tell them. In order for a young man, a young lady to do something live in a game, it's gonna take a coach to be able to break that thing down. If they can't walk it, they can't run it. And so um, where every sport that I've coached at Madison Park, every team I've ever coached within the second year, that team went to the playoffs. So during Christmas, this past Christmas, I, being a family man, wanted to know from my family, what, what could I do that would uh, help each one of you? I want to, I want to, what can I bring to, I'm helping people, I'm helping schools, I'm helping other organizations, I'm helping other nonprofits. Uh, I'm being a blessing to everybody else's kids. Uh, I want to be very purposeful when it comes to my own family. I do not want my family to be receiving second blessings from my life, the leftovers. And so each one in my family uh, told me what they, what support they needed from me going into 2020 so that they could be um, uh, successful in the things that they want to achieve. Um, and then my daughter spoke up and said, hey, dad, we got something for you, though. And I was like, no, it's not about, you know, tit for tat. It's not about trade. Uh, I just I asked a question because what I want is to really be uh, an influence on your uh, forward progress. She says, dad, but we want you to do something. I said, well, let me hear it. She says, we want you to uh, do something selfish. I do what do you mean do something selfish? She says, dad, you, you, you help so many people and you do so much for free and you give so much of your own resources and you spend so much time helping other people's houses and helping other people's kids. And, um, but we want you to really do something selfish. And I said, well, if I can do anything that I want to do, I want to coach football. And so my wife, you know, and my daughter and my son, they were like, you know, well, go coach football. But then I had to create some rules. Number one, I could not, I was not willing to leave as athletic director yet. So that means I wasn't willing to coach football in CIF Oakland section because I did not want to be in a position where I was coaching against uh, students that I love at a school that I have. So that was number one. Number two, was I wanted to coach football because of my experience at Madison Park where football is not sustainable when you have 400 students, 200 boys, you would have to have a 10th of the male population just to field one team of 20. And then you better hope nobody gets hurt. And so we, 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 we've been through that. We've seen that that algorithm doesn't work. And so I said, the next thing is I want to coach at a school who has a history of fielding a football team even if they're not good. And then my third requirement was, I want to coach a team that hasn't been winning. Uh, so then I started my quest. Where are the schools? Who was looking for a head coach? And I ran into about two or three and I studied them. What was their record? And the school that had by far the worst record was South City. And uh, South City was, uh, had been, not only when I, I checked the 2019, which is just last season, they were 0-10. I checked 2018, they were 0-10. Uh, so they're 0-20 to date. 
I looked a little further and saw, wait a minute, how many points did they score in 2019 total? And the total points was 20 points. I said, wow, that's a, a field goal to game will give you 30 points a season. So I said, this is the school I want. There's nobody, nobody looking for this school. I guarantee you more coaches looked at that school, looked at their record and said, oh, hell no, I'm not going there. That's a school on fire. And I put on my football fireman hat and said, that's the school I want. So then I sought to um, acquire that position because I believe that uh, I can take a be just like Oakland High. I believe I can take a group of kids who have lost, teach them football the right way, prepare their bodies and their minds the right way. And in so doing, the results will be winning. And so that's what I still believe. So I, uh, the athletic director at the time was Noel uh, Nelson. And I really appreciate her. She contacted me while I was doing track practice at Madison Park. I was on the field in the middle of track practice. And uh, she says, you know, we're going to be doing interviews in two weeks. We have uh, four time slots available. Um, and so she gave me the time slots and told me which one did I want? Well, I said, you know, I processed, okay, four time slots probably mean there's only four candidates of which I'm one of four candidates. So I'm going to take the first time slot and I'm going to make everybody else who comes after me. You're going to have to, you're going to have to be real good because I know what I believe and I know what I'm going to do. And I'm not going to go in and win the interview. I'm going to go in and be myself. And if being myself, it matches what this school is looking for, then we got something going. So we did the interview and uh, about a couple of, about a week or so later, I get a call from the principal, Principal Asbro, to whom I really appreciate his leadership. Uh, and he says, hey, we believe that you are the right person for this job. We believe that you can, you know, uh, help our football team, not just on the field, but, you know, overall as men. And, uh, and that's all I needed to hear. Done. Let's do it. And so that's, so I'm, I'm at South City because those kids deserve to learn football the right way. They deserve the fruit uh, and ecstasy of football immediately. Understand, these kids who are playing have gone through two years of abysmal football. There's no reason why a senior at South City should want to play football based upon what, based upon what they have already experienced. It has not yielded any fun. It is yielded being butts of jokes. It is yielded. This is the worst football in the history of this school. And this is a school that has won championships. This is a school that one year, the sophomore team went undefeated and unscored upon. And yet these kids are now there playing a sport that's difficult, the most difficult sport on the planet, in my opinion, to play as a team sport. And uh, they still want to play football with no positive reason why. Well, I'm here to make sure that before these seniors get out of high school, that they know what football can give them because of what they've given already. And uh, so I'm looking forward to the task. I want to go back to the point of where your kids told you to be selfish for once, because you've done so many different things to help other people out and do it for free. Where does that selflessness come from? Uh, I, you know, honestly, um, I would say it would come from a Christ-like experience in the sense that, you know, I, uh, unapologetically Christian. Um, and, and I believe that the we're on earth 
to to be helpers of others. And it's not really, I mean, the, the easiest thing you can do in life is help somebody else. The hardest thing to do is make people work for you or to always be about yourself. That's very difficult. It's, it's more stress. Helping other people makes the world better. Now, that's not, that's not just a Christian uh, principle. There's, there's the, almost every religion is, is about service. But for me, I take it real seriously that becoming a servant for others in a capacity where your service assists their lives. To not do it, to not do it is the most selfish thing you can do. But to do it is to give people hope in their hopelessness. You can make anybody happy who's already happy. You can, keep, you can create, you can help anybody laugh who's already wanting to laugh. But can you discern hurt and pain and somebody trying to look normal? And then when you say, how are you doing? And they say, oh, I'm fine. And you say, no, no, no. It's me you talk to. How are you really doing? And then you get the real person. Well, it takes a, a whole different level of humanity to see people for people and not people as objects. And I've never seen people as objects. Um, I did not grow up, even though I grew up in Orange County, I didn't, I grew up in the ghetto of Orange County. I wanna be very particular. Sometimes you say Orange County, people think that you grew up, you know, like Kobe Bryant. And it's like, no, no, uh, Kobe moved to Orange County, but uh, Kobe didn't live nowhere near the Orange County I live by. Uh, living in Orange County um, shaped me because it, it was is about service. You always had to do things uh, for humanity's sake. And so I'm a humanitarian. That's what I teach my kids. My kids are the same way. Uh, when my kids get in trouble at school, they get in trouble because well, he was talking in class. Well, what were they talking about? Well, he had a friend in class and that friend wasn't having a good day and they was going over there to make sure that they're all right. I said, well, that's, that's, that's how they're raised. They're, if that's trouble, then that's, they're gonna get in, that's good trouble. They're gonna get in that kind of trouble all the time. And I just kind of want to go off of you're here to help these kids on and off the field and on the field, hopefully we 2021, they can prove that. But how have your kids improved off the field already just since you've taken over this program? They've learned to lead each other and to follow the leadership of those who have, put in, who have been put in place by the coaches. So, I mean, right now, coaches cannot be, uh, it, it is not wise, nor is it good policy for if you can't practice on the school campus to take the practice to a private field somewhere, public park. Now, there are a lot of coaches who do that. And I understand why they're doing it because um, football is a dangerous game. And, and every day you don't practice uh, is a day that a kid is gonna be closer to injury than not. However, it's illegal. And um, the, the turnaround that I believe we're gonna have at South City, um, means that the, everything we do has got to be clean or people are going to point to the fact that we did something illegal. So the coaches can't be, if we can't practice on campus, we, we cannot practice as a team. But it doesn't stop the kids from getting together. So the kids have been getting together and they go to the park and they challenge one another. So then my thing was, well, if you guys can go to the park, if that's okay, that you guys go to the park 
at least let me make sure that what you're doing in the park is the right stuff. I don't want you just out there doing, you know, John Madden moves and, you know, PlayStation agilities. I want to make sure that you know exactly what I'm going to be expecting. And so during those times we were able to train some kids, I was able to train an inner circle of kids who had great maturity. And so I had a meeting with the kids, with the entire team and said, look, here are the five, six guys that I have given instruction on exactly how I would like to see things done. Now, if you're going to go out there, I need you to listen to them. If we're going to be a program, not a football team, but a football program, then your ability to be a, a, a servant to these student-led coaches is what's going to build our program. So if I, have a, if I have an athlete who's not part of the six and they want to be jealous and disruptive, well, you're proving that we can't be a program because you want to be an individual. So because you weren't picked, you want to kind of self-destruct the process. Well, that only hurts all of us. I'm not looking for those guys. If you're that guy, then I need you to go ahead and scratch your name off the list right now. I don't care what your athletic talents are. I want young men who can follow some. You might be, you might be a better athlete than one of the guys I picked as a student leader. But I picked the student leader not so much because of their athleticism, but because of their ability to follow the details, attention to details and exceed expectations. That kid, I know if I say do this drill for 15 minutes and then take a one minute water break and then do this next drill for five minutes and then take a, 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 a long jog to the gate to gate, I know that that kid is going to ensure that every kid in his group is going to do that process. Well, now when we get to come back to practice, I'll be able to see a more fit, a more uh, readied, uh, a higher football IQ kids because they learn to, to cooperate with one another. And so as young football players can coexist and cooperate with one another, even if the relationship is student-led coach versus player, everything rises. And so we have to trust the process with the kids. The kids have to trust the process within each other. And then together, uh, we build uh, something formative that can uh, produce something on the field later on. And one thing I think is really interesting, we talked about it last time we spoke, is the fundraising you've had for your program. I think we see it from you and Logan Wolf every single day, just how much money y'all have already raised. What does that say about the program you've already got there at South City? And what does that say about just the reception and buy-in you've got from the entire community? So let me tell you, South City has added to my coaching in this sense. I hate, with great passion, fundraising. I hate it. I don't like fundraising at all. However, I understand it's necessary. So I equate fundraising to strength and conditioning. During the summer when I can be doing 4 million other things, I don't want to be strength and conditioning at 16 years old. I got my mama bought me a play uh, a Xbox, a PlayStation. I got 40 million games. I got three girlfriends on Instagram and two on Twitter and maybe even flirting around with an old one on Facebook. <laughs> I don't have time, but here's the problem. August is coming. 
games are coming in September. If I don't do what I'm supposed to do in June, July, you know, really April, May, June, July, it's all going to show up on somebody else's highlight film in September, October, November, and you can forget December. You won't be in the playoffs. So with Logan, to Logan's credit, uh, Logan's approach to me was bigger than anything. Because Logan just said, hey, coach, I'm working with some other teams. This is what they're doing. I want to make sure that you have the same opportunity to do the same thing. So I'm like, okay, who are these other teams? What are they doing? And I look on my uh, schedule, three teams working with Logan have already raised $20,000. Well, hold on. I, how successful can we be if we raise $0 before the season and three teams we play have raised $20,000 each? Well, that, that don't take a whole lot of math to figure that out. You're not going to be a good football program when somebody has an additional $20,000 a season to compete against you. So I was forced to do it. Good force. Like I said, good trouble. Uh, L- Logan didn't have to sell me on it. I was sold on it when I saw three teams that I play against this season have done the very same fundraiser with the same results. So what I did was I had to, you know, I had to pull my fundraising britches up and say, hey, we got to be a big boy about this. How now do we present this to the students so that this can be something that we can be as successful at? And so um, we, we set our budget. We want to raise 20000 We knew what we needed to raise it for. The 20000 is is earmarked for specific things. So we're not just raising 20000 We'll figure out what to do with it later. I don't like doing any fundraiser like that. We're gonna, we know exactly how much we need. We know exactly what we're going for. So this is what we need to raise. And um, I think we raised $12,000 in like five days. And right now we're like eight days remaining and I think it's under $1,000 to make the $20,000. So our first, our first two weeks, man, we just went, we just became fundraising geniuses. And then the last two weeks, it's kind of tapered. And now the kids who have been, who were lagging are now doing their final push. And that's what's going to get us not only to our goal, but over the top. But what I learned is that fundraising for football is as essential as strength and conditioning. If you don't do it, it'll show up in the season. And um, now that we've done it, I can guarantee my uh, freshman parents, who especially who kids who play spill, skill positions, that their kids will be will, will be wearing Rydell Speedflex helmets. Um, so that whole concern about are our helmets good enough? Can, they can't withstand concussions. Eliminated that entire conversation. Your kids have the top of the line high school helmets. You ain't got to worry about it. They, they have the helmets that they see the pros wearing. That's the helmet your son's wearing. And so uh, fundraising is something I hate doing, but this process of fundraising was easy to do. And uh, the results were phenomenal because we gave it leadership. And then I participated in it. So I raised money too. And I told the kids that they would not outraise me. And that kind of helped because you had kids like, uh-uh, I'm going to outraise the coach. All right, go ahead. You know, so now I'm like $500 in the hole that I got to figure out within the next three days so that I'm not a liar. 
another thing about your program that you said that's really interesting. I know 0-20 the last two years scored 20 points total last season. It would be probably easy for anybody to come in and not really be confident in what you've got. But you've, you've told us you scored 20 points in the first half of week one. You've got all this confidence in your kids. What makes you – where does this confidence come from in your kids? And when did you know that this, that this was such a special group of kids you got there at South City? I started watching film. So before I went on to the interviews – I went and, uh, and, and found all the film that I could find on their 2019 season. Fortunately, at South City, uh, we have a gentleman there named Aaron Boyd who runs our uh, audio-visual. Um, and the, the type of network that he has built at South City for football games, it's like I, I tell the kids, at your home games, you're, you're on TV every week. I mean, it's broadcasted. I mean, it is it is a very wonderfully produced football um, football game football game day. So, because I now I didn't know who he was, but these videos are up. So I'm watching all these videos, and I'm watching it without the commentary, and I'm like, I'm looking at these kids on the field, and I'm like, I'm expecting to see some scrawny kids, some kids who are slow, and. That's not what I saw. What I saw was what I saw at Oakland High. Kids who on the eye test looked the part of D1 athletes. So if, they, if, they're, if they're on the eye test, D1 athletes, why are they losing? And why are they losing so bad? Well, as I'm looking more and more at the film, the reason why they're losing is all about the coaching. Now, understand, I, I do not want to sound like I'm throwing – the former coaches under the bus. That's not my intention. Um, but in both cases where the 2018 and the 2019, uh, both of those coaches was brought into the situation with a disadvantage, shall I say. Um, especially 2019, which, which is easily the worst football year in the history of South City. Um, that coach is to be commended for being able to complete the season. He increased the team over time. And uh, that's hard to do when you're losing. Remember, we live in a generation where kids losing makes them quit. And quitting is not as a bad thing. It's like they're flexing their muscles because they quit, you know. Um, and so it could have been very easy that South City didn't even finish the football season. But coaches walk in the light that they know. And so the more expertise you have at this game, playing it, coaching it, drawing it up, dialoguing with other coaches, regarding it, scouting it. I don't watch football as a fan. I watch football as a scout always. And so what I'm looking at on the field is you got defensive ends crashing inside the tackle. Well, you can't do that. That's against all rules of football. You can't do that because if they go to the outside, you have you have a, a lineman and a running back running against a, a inadequate cornerback with ha with a wide receiver out there on him that's a recipe for disaster you had situations where they were doing snot shotgun snaps and obviously it hadn't been practiced because you shotgun snapped three four times in a row and it turned into three touchdowns for the opposing team in a matter of two minutes i mean these are just things you cannot you cannot do so so, the, so when I watched on film, I said, it's not the players. I could take these same exact players and win 
if I teach them the fundamentals of this game and then advance those fundamentals. See, football isn't a sport where you can just say, do this and do that, and then come do this and then do that. Football is a sport that if you're smart, you start with the very basics and you build rules in that basics. And then you expand the, 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 the scheme and the system, but you don't change the rules. And if you make simple complex, um, then you're better than trying to make complex things simple. And so I'd rather you learn the fundamentals of this sport because then when I put you on the field, you kind of already know what to do because we've trained you on not just what to do. See, a lot of football coaches, they train what to do, which is essential. But if you're going to have success, that student needs to know more than what to do. They got to understand why do I do it? Why do I do it this way? Because the, the, the difference in that, as an example, is a DN knows you got to get upfield and get to the quarterback, but you can never give out the out. You can never. The rule is you can never give up outside containment. Well, if he knows what to do, go get the quarterback. He's going to go get the quarterback, but he might shoot inside the tackle. And then the quarterback takes a sidestep. He's got outside leverage. And now where you were third and 10, now it's first and 10 because the quarterback got 11 yards on a, on a, on a busted play scramble. So they got to know what to do. What to do? You need to get to the quarterback. Why? Because, but, but you got to do it this way. This is how to do it. This is what to do. Here's how to do it. And this is why I need you to do it this way. Then that student athlete, uh, academics, mental capacities is brought to the field. And once that's brought to the field, you have a more intelligent player. Well, as you get more and more athletes on the team, more and more intelligent, well, now you just have a better football team. Your athleticism may not have gone, may not have increased at all. Someone's 40 time may have not gotten lowered. Somebody's 225 lift may not have gotten any more reps, but you're smarter. And so when you're smarter, working harder, you'll, you'll have a better result. And over the last couple of years at South City, they didn't have the football IQ. And so you had stuff like that. You had DBs turning around, uh, turning their backs to the quarterback in cover three or not knowing how to backpedal and turn and how to, how to keep from being stemmed and stalked and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, quarterbacks not knowing how to, you know, keep their feet balanced so that they couldn't give cues to the defensive line as to which way they, they were going to go with the ball, you know, um, you know, receivers who were obviously knowing they weren't getting the ball because they break the huddle and they just kind of walk to their position and then the ball is hiked and they kind of just take some, you know, two, three steps off the line of scrimmage. You knew they weren't getting the ball. When they broke the huddle and they sprinted out there, oh, it's going to be a pass. So, I mean, these were easy cues for a youth football coach to figure out on the opposite sideline. Uh, I tend to ensure that there are no tendencies within our football program so you can watch film all day on us and you're not going to be able to say when they do this they always do that you will I, I you it'll never happen and if you think like that it's going to be a long day for you and then i want to go off that as well you guys want to score 20 points in the first half but what are your goals for your first season overall our goals for the first season is to have a winning record and to score more than 20 points now Originally, week one, we were supposed to play uh, James Lick. And I have no problem saying this because I'm going to tie my wife into this. This is going to be funny. Now, James Lick isn't going to think it's funny, but it's funny to us. Um, 
uh, I told our team the first day I met him after having reviewed the James Lick film, I said, you're going to score 20 points against James Lick in the first half. In the first half. And the kids looked at me like, what? I was like, not only are you going to score 20 points against them in the first half, you're going to win the game outright. And they were looking at me like, what? All right, coach. All right. If, if I don't believe it, they can't believe it. If I don't tell them, they won't have nothing to believe. I told them day one, you're going to beat James Lick. You're going to score all the points that you scored in one season. You're going to score that many points in the first half, and you're going to win the game. Well, I told a couple of reporters that, and I told them I really didn't care if they told James Lick that. And I don't know. I have no evidence that they told James Lick that. But uh, about a month ago, I got word uh, through our former AD that James Lick is, has been told that they can't play us during the uh, – first game of the season because they can't travel outside of their uh their county to play and I'm like that's we're like next door neighbors what are you what are you talking about we're coming to you you're not actually coming to us it's an away game for us we're coming to you and so I was like dang now what do I tell the kids I don't even know who our week one opponent's going to be well I do now it's uh, I can announce it a royal high school so a royal high school in San Lorenzo will be coming to South City week one and uh coach Michael Dace uh, really excited about about that situation. I think it's going to be great for both of our programs. Uh, but I went home and I told my wife, I said, I done, I done told the kids we're going to score 20 points in the first half. We're going to win the game outright. And now I just got word that they're not even, we're not even playing them in the 2020 season. My wife's response was, they heard that you said you was going to beat them and they know you're going to beat them. And so they decided they didn't want to play you. So they quit while they were ahead. Now, I don't know if any of that's true. But when your wife talks like that about your football coaching, you just love that. You accept that. It makes you feel good about yourself. <laughs> she could be wrong as two left shoes on two right feet, but uh, it makes a man feel good when his wife has that much confidence in him. Now, if my kids, if my football players have as much confidence in my coaching as my wife does, oh, my God, it's going to be on. We're going to have great success. Yeah, I, I, I think a 10-0 and 0 season is in store at that point. Uh, no, I don't think we'll go to it, though. We got, we got some <laughs> monster teams. But winning. Yeah. Here's, here's the thing for this season. A winning season. Um, and every game being still a game in the fourth quarter. There were a lot of games in the 2019 season with uh, South City, games that I, that I studied, where the game was really over after uh, the first quarter. I mean, it was over. I mean, you, you, you never say that. But as someone who knows football, if you're down 28 to nothing at the end of the first quarter, your chances of coming back in high school, unless you had half the team on suspension and they couldn't play, um, you're down 28 to nothing in the first quarter. And, uh, and they get the ball at the start of the second half. Um, and your best players are on the field. Uh, you're not coming back from that. You're not coming back from that. And so uh, our job this year is even, even, and we're not planning on losing. I just need to be realistic as a coach. I don't want them believing we're going to go 10 and 0 because then if we have one trip of adversity, it could cause a relapse and they go back into a 2019 mindset. So we've got to gradually grow this thing. We got to be able to talk positive without talking foolish. And so uh, I want to make sure that they understand that, uh, you know, uh, there, there is wisdom in all of this, but there's certain teams just based on coaching we shouldn't lose just based on athleticism. We shouldn't lose. And somewhere we're going to snatch a team. We shouldn't beat 
Some team is going to take us for granted because all they know is 2019. They didn't watch your podcast. And so they don't know what type of coach they're dealing with or coaching against. And they're going to come in arrogantly believing that on homecoming night, this is going to be an easy win because it's been an easy win the last two years. And that's the team we're going to snatch. And then you guys will get to report about it in West Coast Preps. And uh, we'll copy it and put it all over the school so everybody can read it. I love that. I love that. One thing I got to mention, though, this is mostly for Chris. When you mention 28 nothing, you don't got this guy, Tom Brady, coming out. The second half. Yeah, so no, no, I don't have, I don't, I, yeah, I don't have no, sir, no Sarah, you know, uh, all Americans coming out. I don't <laughs> have no Tom Brady's. However, Tom Brady wasn't always Tom Brady. So that's true. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm really uh, excited about the young, my young prospect. You guys saw him uh, Saturday, Marius um, uh, Tan, uh, sophomore kid. Um, and I told him, I said, look, what have you done? to win the starting football um, quarterback position. And he just looked at me like, I don't even know how to answer that. I said, you did nothing. I said, what have you shown me? What, what throw have you made? What, what have you done to prove to me that you should be the starting quarterback? Nothing. I said, so here's what I need you to do. Keep listening to me and you can keep being quarterback. Keep learning. Keep learning from me because this is a position I played. Keep learning from me. Keep growing. Keep being the leader that you are. He's an amazing leader. I said, and you will be quarterback for a long time and everybody will know who you are. I said, by your junior year, you'll be recruited by everybody. By your senior year, you'll be able to pick what school is going to pay for you to go to college. And, and really, that's, you just got to, and, and I told him, I said, one day you're going to be asked, what did you do? to earn the coach's confidence to be quarterback. And I said, your answer better be, I did nothing. All I did was listen to what he told me to do. And I kept listening to what he told me to do. And I got, you know, the things that I did wrong, I, I, I got it out of my mind quickly. And the things that I did well, I got out of my mind quickly too. Just, just do what is necessary to win. Be a good leader, be a good young man, be someone that other people are willing to play for, be a teammate that others can respect. And uh, if you're gonna have the keys to the Ferrari, um, then all I expect from you is to be uh, attention to details and exceed expectations. And speaking of your kids being there Saturday for the exclusive Speed Bay the Top 100 Showcase, what did it mean to see your kids get that opportunity and get invited, especially just in a showcase where you saw you were there Saturday, some of, not only some of the best players in the region, but some of the best players in all of America in attendance there? You know, um, I didn't really care about who else was there. I was honored to be there among so many phenomenal athletes. But for me, it wasn't even about my three athletes who were there. It was about my 70 athletes who knew those three athletes were there because it sent a strong message, exclusive speed by inviting three of our kids. It sent a message to our football program, especially our incoming freshmen who know nothing about 0 and 20 and only 20 points. In a, in a season. It sent the message that somewhere they believe in us, even if we don't have any evidence on the field in the last two years to be believed. Something about the new coach is giving people outside of our school a belief that we're not going to be the same South City. So those three athletes being there was huge, especially since two of them were seniors and one of them was a sophomore. It was huge. And I had at least three other guys 
that after I saw Saturday, I said, these three other guys, oh, they would have, they would have been in a position to, uh, to be at least in the conversation about the MVP. I have one guy who running back uh, named Chris, Christopher Garcia, and I got at least two receivers, Shivam Prasad and uh, Carlos Marquez. If any of those three kids would have been on the field, believe me, they would have come up in your write-ups uh, on West Coast Press because they would have made that big of a splash. But then you would have been like me. You got kids like this. How in the world are you going 0 and 20? And so, you know, when you, I, 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 that event was uh, phenomenal. Uh, there was a lot of takeaways. Um, I, I liked it because uh, there was a, a great deal of competition. Uh, my kids were a little bit nervous. And I told him, I said, this is what you have to do. This is, these are the channels you must would be willing to accept in order for the team to be great. But that experience for those three translates back to our program in such a fashion that now everybody believes that they got to do better so they can be a part, so they can get an invite. And so um, when everybody's thinking forward like that, I got freshmen who are angry that they weren't able to be a part. You're a freshman. Ain't nobody looking for you right now. But I love it that they're like, I want, I want to invite your friend. Nobody knows what you're going to do. You never played in pads in high school yet. But I love it because they're saying, wait till next year. Well, good. Because we're going to keep working until it's time to do it next year for you. And then, you know, you'll be, they going to, eventually, they will know South City just like they know Menlo Atherton, just like they know De La Salle. I'm not saying our program is going to be on those levels yet. In a, in, in, in a year, but I'm saying we will have athletes who will be in those names in the, in those in those conversations, and that won't be weird. It'll I be normal. It. I love it. I love the confidence that you're instilling in the kids, and I love what you're doing with the program. I think it's amazing what you're doing. Thank you, sir. And and I I I want to thank you guys. I mean, I don't I, um what you guys are doing is uh. You didn't ask this question because you couldn't. You could not have seen this angle for yourself. You guys are asking me questions about what gives you this hope, what gives you all this stuff. You guys, West Coast Preps, the fact that a school that has gone 0-20, scored 20 points all of 2019, can get any ink in a in a news agency, a sports news agency like you, that gives, man, you guys don't understand your coverage alone in South City has done so much for our kids. That's what it's about. What you guys give me hope because I know that in the past, these little things that we do that, that make a big difference, but they never go outside of the bubble that we're in. You guys are taking those small schools, those schools that, are, that, aren't, that aren't the greatest, and you are giving them just as much attention and opportunity to tell their story as the De La Salle's, as the Bishop O'Dowd's. And to me, that does something to a student population. So now a kid knows, man, if I make a mistake, it ain't just going to stay here at South City. They're going to be reading about that in Concord. They're going to be reading about it in Walnut Creek. They're going to be reading about it in New York. And so now that pressure to be better because more people are watching than just my family and friends, 
you have no idea how, how persuasive that is in getting a student athlete to be a better version of themselves in football. And so, again, you guys couldn't – I don't know if you guys know the impact you're having on uh, high school sports, especially high school football right now. I mean, I, I, know, I know there's other ages. I'm not, I'm not knocking – everybody's doing phenomenal work. But you guys in particular are talking to the schools that nobody else is talking to. You're talking to the coaches, the administrators. You're talking to people that nobody else is talking to. And that gives me hope. It makes me feel like when I go the extra mile, I'm going the extra mile knowing that it just might get acknowledged. Now, I'm not going to do it for acknowledgement's sake. We still got to win. Bad news travels faster than good news. But what about the news in between? And what you guys have done well is reporting about kids and programs in between. And, and I honor you guys for that, man. I, that's, that's why I can't wait to get my uh, West Coast Prep t-shirt. I'm going to wear it. We're going to get the West Coast Prep stamp plenty of times, too. Yeah, man. You got, me, yeah. you got me all fired up right now. Oh, my goodness. I want to go out there and start. <laughs> well, I mean, look, I'm, I'm not – I'm only going to tell you the truth, man. That's all I got. All I got is the truth. And, um, I love it. and you know – I, I, I tell you something else, and some coaches may not do this, but I think it's very apropos uh, for me to do it. Um, that interview that you guys did with, with Joe Bates from Skyline, man, that moved me. That, 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 that moved me. I, I know Joe Bates as a, a very good gentleman of high quality and character, but I had never seen um, a coach as transparent about his own life and misgivings and you know, his, his ups and downs. I had never, I mean, I literally sat in my room watching that on my iPad. My wife walks into the room. She's like, what you smiling so hard about? I said, I, I'm just blown by this podcast where, you know, West Coast Preps is doing this interview with Coach Joe Bates. Because in the end, Coach Joe Bates and I will compete. Our schools uh, in, in football in the past competed once a year. But I told him, I am only your competitor seven days, really only six in a week, in, in, in an entire year. The, the other 51 weeks out of the year, we got to work together for the benefit of the kids. And so when I see the stuff he's doing, coaches have got to learn how to retweet other coaches' stuff. Because if I can help him get one of his kids out of Oakland or staying in Oakland in Berkeley at Cal, wherever, we have to work. We have to be the adults in the room. And, and Bates, Joe Bates of Skyline, he's someone you can really root for. I would say the same about Ed uh, Washington out of Castlemont. Um, when I first... When you want to talk about relationship turnaround, when I first uh, met Ed Washington at Castleman, I could not stand that guy. I just felt that he, sh I felt he shouldn't be coaching football. I felt that, that, that he was just a loud mouth, that he was teaching kids the wrong way. He was doing the wrong stuff. But that's because I had seen him through the lens of somebody else. When I stood back and said, okay, let me find out what this dude is really all about. 
Then I found out that there's a man who is passionate about West, who's passionate about West Oakland and East Oakland. He is thoroughly committed to the idea of Castlemont, who does not have all of the resources to make things happen. And the fact that football happens at Castlemont at all is attributed to the things that he's doing beyond football. So when, 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 when I see you guys talking to guys like that, and, and, and I feel that uh, my maturity as a coach and my age as a coach, I got to lift up these young guys and, uh, and they've got to continue lifting up young guys. I got to continue uh, training up young guys. And uh, because in the end, where adults squabble, kids get hurt. Where adults are indifferent to one another, it's the kids who lose. But when you start getting cooperation between coaches, even if we play in the same league, or even it's between me and you as to who's going to get that last playoff spot. When we start, when we, the week of the game is the only week we are competitors. After that, we are collaborating. And if, if coaches all, and I want to challenge all coaches who listen, be a competitor only the week you're competing against that coach. All the other weeks, collaborate with every coach on your schedule to ensure all your kids get the best opportunity to be seen so that college can pay for their education. If we do that, then we will be football coaches who transcend football. And we will have done something for youth that will be um, better than anything else that can just pop up like a weed in the night and die in the day. I think that's all really well with you, Bates, Coach T from Vacaville, Christian, Giles, all those guys was yeah. – you guys all supported each other, right? I mean, I know you yeah. guys blasting out Darius Fontenot, Childress, all these MVP winners, Davis yeah. on offensive linemen, right? It's all about getting these kids more opportunities to succeed. And the more eyes that come out on this area too, the more eyes that can come out to your kids as well at these all these different great schools that we've got. That's exactly what it is, Chris. You said it – I said a lot to say the – you did a Reader's Digest version of what I just said, and you said it better. Um, in the end, if we continue to support one another, you know, um, the kids win. And, and, and if we could take any lesson, what's the name of that uh, offensive lineman at De La Salle? Derek Thompson. Derek Thompson. Uh, that young man contacted an organization, and now he's already got his invite. His coach already got him set. Derek Thompson took the time to use his platform on social media to convince an organization that Darius Fontenot deserved an invite. And Darius Fontenot got an invite. Our kids are showing us. I thought that was super dope. If, if, if young men playing football at two very different programs in two very different schools, two very different school populations, two very different funding streams. If that young man can show that level of cooperation with a kid who is a competitor against him, then man, we as coaches can do no less. Like I said, we don't have to be friends and talking and, 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 and doing comedy skits you know, during the week of the game, during the week of the game, I'm not talking to you. We're concentrating on destroying you on the field with grace and a smile. <laughs> but before that and after that, we have to, we have to uh, cooperate and we've got to work. We got we to cooperate and coordinate with one another 
for the uh, for the betterment of of West Coast football. Period. High school West Coast football is being left behind, and yet we have coaches here who can easily uh, keep it relevant if we cooperate. So yeah, it's nothing for me to retweet. It's nothing for me to like the tweet and retweet, and not just retweet, but actually quote something in the tweet just to support what it's doing. You know, I support all the schools right now that are playing football in the fall. I just saw the article came out yesterday. 1,000 football games have happened since uh, the middle of, of August. No single community has had a COVID spike. I love it. I'm rooting for them to finish the season with the same results because it'll just prove the leadership that in the future we can make decisions uh, a little better than the decisions that are being made now. Yeah. And going back to the point, coaching is a fraternity. I've always looked at sports as a fraternity in general. Um, yeah. We're all in it for the same reasons. We all want to compete and have fun and competing in your sport is for me was always the most fun time growing up. And I still love doing it, going and playing basketball at 24 hour fitness and, you know, the gyms and stuff like that. So it's just a fraternity when it comes to sports, I think, because it's a small community of people who love doing what they do. Yes. I love it. Right. Yeah. It's all, it's all like all these, you see in the NBA all the time, right? Draymond and LeBron have had their obviously dustups in the NBA. We've seen it in the finals plenty of times with those two, but yeah. off the court, those two are really close. They know it's just yeah. a couple hours. I'm not going to like you, but outside of that, let's just yeah. help each other out. The more people that are successful, the better it is for the world, to be honest with you. Yeah. And, and you, you, you all, uh, West Coast Preps, you're here to give the uh, live sound bites to it. And so with coaches like, 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 like we're naming now who are working together, um, some of us are working together and we're, we're nowhere close to playing each other yet, but we're working together for the benefit of the kids. And then an organization like you uh, share that with the world. And that's, that's huge. I, I, like I said, I'm, I'm not knocking any other agency. Everybody is doing great work, but uh, I think what you guys are thumping on has a greater resolve because it is reaching far more programs that this time last year, nobody knew about them. They didn't know about them. We appreciate the kind words. Yeah, we definitely do. And it goes to show everyone's got a unique story, right? Don't be embarrassed by what you've been through, what you've endured, right? I mean, we've seen every kid's got their own story. Madison Park, where you are at right now, we've talked to a couple of girls. They got their own stories, playing for yeah. sports, coaching, working a job too. And still getting, what, over a 4.0 GPA pretty much yeah, you're talking about Trillion Love. She's phenomenal. Yeah, honestly, how you do that is everything I, about that. No phenomenal. <laughs> and if you saw her walking around campus, you would think she's probably an athlete, but she walks so slow. She takes her time. <laughs> you know, I had to learn. I had to really when she first got in volleyball, and we would sub her out. She would just walk so slow back to me. I'm like, if you don't hurry up. But I had to realize she wasn't being offensive. She wasn't being lazy. She was just, that's her way of conserving energy that she gets back to it and she, she does her thing. And so another part of coaching is you, 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 every kid, you cannot coach a kid until you learn who that kid is. And that's a process. And you know, uh, coaches like me, we want a lot of numbers. We want a lot of numbers. Well, a lot of numbers come with a lot of responsibility because you got to learn every single kid. You got to be able to talk positive. 
Uh oh, we're, we're having uh, some issues again with Dion. Hopefully, we, he comes back here soon. Right, right, and such a good point too. Right, right near the end. There we oh, go. There we go. We lost you for a second, Dion. <laughs> yeah, I said, wait a minute. Neither one of them are moving. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, but yeah, you know what? Let's move on to some more fun questions for you. I know we've had a lot already. Something we ask everybody. Honestly, I know it's going to make us all okay. really hungry. It's lunchtime soon, so I know right after I ask this, I'll be ordering something really large for lunch. But Dion, what is your favorite ever home cooked meal? Favorite ever home cooked meal? Ooh, I like when my wife does uh, her special spaghetti and chicken wings. Nobody yeah. does chicken wings better than my wife. I don't wings stop pop. It, nobody does wings better than my wife. All right, what kind of flavor does she put on it? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't even tell you. It's made with love. That's all that matters. Yeah, all I know is it pops. All I know is I love it. Okay. Hey, that's all that matters. As long as it tastes good, you don't care right. what it is. Right. That, that's true. And then, okay, so I got to keep settling this debate with Giles Chapman. He keeps saying baked potatoes better than mashed potatoes. And it really just, it really grinds my gears. I don't know why it's getting to me so much, but what's better, mashed potatoes or baked potatoes? And there's only one right answer. Uh, baked potatoes mashed up. Ooh, okay. 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 That's so like that answer. It. Actually, you know what? There's more than one right answer for that. Yeah. So, that, so I love baked potatoes, loaded baked potatoes, but I only eat them after I've mashed it. True. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I like I it. Like that. yep. Okay. That's the best answer we've had so far. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that, but you're right about that too. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. And then one, one last thing. Who was your favorite athlete growing up and who's your favorite athlete right now? My favorite athlete growing up was Eric Dickerson because we had the same curl coming out the back of our helmet when we were running. You could see the, the Jerry curl flying in the back. So uh, Eric Dickerson uh, plus Eric Dickerson's uh, hairdresser who did his curl was the same woman who did my mother's curl. And uh, he would get his curl done at a house. Uh, this lady who, who owned a house and uh, it was around the corner from our school, Santa Ana Valley. And uh, so, yeah, he, he was he was my favorite athlete. Um, my favorite athlete right now is uh, not even a football athlete. Um, is LeBron James. And it's not had anything to do with basketball. It just has to do with all of the other things he's doing beyond basketball, where he could hide behind his notoriety of basketball and be silent on some things uh, to be safe so that he can maximize his financial potential. The fact that he is not being safe at all, and he is speaking stuff uh, without trying to sound like an authority on subjects, but to, but asking good questions. Um, he is doing something uh, with his platform as an athlete that I have not seen. Um, I know that there are others who have been pushed into those situations. Uh, you know, Colin Kaepernick being one, Muhammad Ali before him, uh, Jim Brown before them, but. Uh, LeBron James is not caring about losing fans, finances, or future. He's trying to stand on the right side. And uh, what I like about it is he's not trying to be the spokesperson, but he is trying to make sure that certain minds that have certain ideas on what's going on in life, that they're getting an opportunity to be heard to at least create some sense of balance. And I've just not seen a professional athlete do that in my lifetime at the level that he's doing it. 
And so, uh, yeah, I would say LeBron James, but for nothing regarding basketball. I'm glad he's a Laker because I'm a Laker for life. But, uh, you know, but I root, also root for all California sports. So I'm, yeah, I'm, it's not foreign for me to root for the A's and the Giants. I, me and Chris would disagree on that one. I, I can't root for, for the A's. I just can't do it. But that's probably because you're from here. Now, I won't root for the A's or the – I won't root for the A's or the Giants versus the Dodgers or the Angels. Oof. <laughs> it, are you – you're San Francisco Giant? I'm a Giant. Oh, yeah, then yeah. I know. I know you You and I would have fits. Yeah. They're the Giants versus Dodgers. Man, I, I've uh, – yeah, I don't like any Dodger players. It's every, it's every day with the Giants here. He's always got to mention – the 2010s and those three rings and his Patriots. Oh, now, now here's what now here's what's funny. I told you I root for all California sports, so I was rooting for the Giants when they were going through that. Um, I was discouraged and and angry when the Giants and the Dodgers played and the one Giant fan got hurt at Dodger Stadium. Uh, I was angry about that. I was like, "What? Look, it's it's one thing to have you know a rivalry, but when we start doing this type of stuff, this is this is beyond." expectations fandom and freaky behavior is different and so uh, but 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 when uh when bonds went when when san francisco giants went up against the angels uh angels are my home team and i i didn't think the angels could win but the best way to win was to pitch around bonds and he still hit like an astronomical amount of home runs in that series and they barely lost that series um but when it comes to the championship game, if it's a California team, I'm rooting. California all the way. I can't say the same. I have not rooted for the Dodgers once in the World Series. <laughs> well, the Astros helped you out with that. Yes. Thank you, Astros. Oh, no. Oh, that's terrible. Fans. That's terrible. <laughs> that's terrible. What is this? I'm, I'm, that's I'm terrible. Kicked out. He's kicked. He can't say this on the podcast. Thank you, Astros. Where is the, where is the <laughs> podcast referee? Oh, it, that, that, that's the, Dodgers, the podcast commissioner. We need to bring him up on charges. <laughs> Flag, flagrant two foul. You're ejected. You're yeah. suspended. You, I mean, you can't. You, no. Thank you, Astros. That's all. I'll stick with that. Oh, that I'm, trash cans. You're going to get hate mail for that one. I'm, I'm completely <laughs> moving on from what Greg has said here. You know what? I'm going to add one, one more thing. Kind of put you on the spot a little bit. Okay. Who's going to win the Super Bowl? And who's going to win the NBA title? Who's going to win the Super Bowl? Wow. I, I think – now, in a football, I'm a fan. I don't have – I root for any particular team. But I think it's going to be real hard for anybody to dethrone Kansas City. I think Kansas City has the best shot. Football is one of those sports where if you can win it one year and you pretty much keep your team together, you can get a second title run pretty easy. Baltimore, I think, had a very good shot, but they lost, and they got they lost a, a few good players, and they got some players that need to be changed up. But the way in which they lost to the Titans exposed how to best uh, attack them. You got a big back; it's kind of hard because uh, Derrick Henry pretty much beat the Ravens by itself. Um, so I think Kansas City repeats. Um, NBA, I want it to be my Lakers. But them doggone Clippers who have never won and with the leadership. See, I think – I don't think the Clippers are great because of Kawhi and Paul George 
and uh, and Beverly. I think the Clippers are great because of Doc Rivers. He's just a different guy. He's, he's seasoned. The way in which he talks to those professional athletes, uh, I just don't see Vogel having that type of uh, that type of depth in, into the players. Um, so I, I, I want to say the Lakers, um, but I definitely uh, believe that the Clippers have a shot. And it would be unfortunate for the Clippers to actually win it at this time because they never won anything. And um, to win it during the bubble is going to put an asterisk on it. So, you know, I just I'll leave that at that. Um, but to, to Gregory, let me help you this. I told you I'm a Dodger fan over San Francisco, but I know far more. I don't know anything about who's on the Giants team outside of Kershaw. Uh, I know all about the Giants. <laughs> so though I say Dodgers first, if it comes down to how much I know about one or the other team, an algorithm would purpose that I'm probably more of a Giants fan than I am a Dodgers fan. I know far more about the Giants than I know about the Dodgers. And I know very little about my home team, the Angels, but I still root for them because, you know, their stadium is about 30 minutes from my black, well, less than 30 minutes from my backyard. I'll take that. I'll take uh, any sort of Giants fandom I can get. <laughs> no, we've encouraged, we've encouraged them too much. This, <laughs> every week. Got to incur. We no, that that's it. Greg, Greg's got a flagrant two foul first. Thank you, Astros. Thing you're suspended. Hey, flagrant two. He deserved it too. That he that that Altuve, Houston Astros. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, they he deserves a he he deserves a technical foul, flagrant two. Throw him out the game. That was a helmet to helmet contact. Throw him out the game. No, I I take it. I deserve it. <laughs> I meant to do it. Wow. So there's malicious intent too. Okay, so, you know, this, I think this is a five-game suspension, too. <laughs> You'll get an appeal. You'll I get got an a appeal. Sweet. <laughs> You'll get an appeal. He'll come back after week two because week one was a bye week anyway. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, Greg's going to get away with it now. Oh, my goodness. But I will end it at that. Thank you so Hold much. On. I got one more thing, though. You got one more thing. Cam Newton and Superman winning the postseason, that's, that's winning the Super Bowl. That's it. This is hey, now, 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 look, look, I would not be at all shocked by that. I'm not, I'm not at all. If, if Cam Newton can do anything with his arm, like Tom Brady in the short passes, and then with his legs, uh, it, it, Patriots are going to be hard to deal with. And for people who are rooted against the Patriots, going to be hard to root against him with cam newton back there um the patriots the patriot i'll tell you what if the patriots manhandle kansas city in the regular season whoever wins the regular season matchup i believe has a shot at the super bowl patriots you can't count patriots out because of bill belichick you just can't you just can't count them out um but in the NFL, if you can win one and not lose your primary pieces, typically you can go back and get two. You're not going to get three, but you can pretty much go back and get two. Yeah. But, I mean, Belichick has a history of sitting out one year and then coming back and winning two more and then sitting out a year and coming back and winning another one. So that's what I love about the NFL. Um, we'll see what happens. Whenever you got Belichick, you got a chance. That's what I think. 
I, I agree with you. I, I'm not even going to – that's not even something to argue about. No, that's yeah, you, you can't debate that. <laughs> no, there's no debate in that. So now you can end it, Chris. I just had to throw Cam Newton winning the Super Bowl this year for the Patriots one more time. Number seven to get the most ever in the NFL. I just want to acknowledge, though, earlier, not too long ago, Greg was saying Jared Stidham's going to be the guy this year. He's going to win the starting job, and now he's completely changed his tune. Hey, it didn't happen next year. I was a year early. <laughs> this is ridiculous. You know, that, 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 that does it for what was a great edition of the West Coast Prep <laughs> Podcast. Thank you so much to Deion Evans for coming on. It was great to see him at the Exclusive Speed Showcase last weekend as well. Be sure to stay tuned for it. Here's you at Madison Park Academy and now at South San Francisco High School. Be sure to subscribe to our newsletter at westcoastpreps.com. Subscribe to our YouTube page where you can find this podcast and all of our other ones. Follow us on social media at westcoastpreps underscore and follow all of our content at westcoastpreps.com.